You're listening to the Autism in Action podcast, the place for families all across America to connect with autism resources, services, and support. I'm your host, Tasha Rollins, licensed professional counselor associate, private practice owner, boy mom, autism advocate, published author, and autism parenting coach. I help families learn to advocate and navigate through the world of autism. Each week, you'll have a chance to listen in to other autism experts and learn about additional resources. Let's embrace the idea there's more to autism than we know, and there's always, always hope. With the internet at our fingertips, there's no excuse for families not to receive the services they need. This podcast will help bridge the gap of missing information and services for autism all across America. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Autism in Action podcast. Today we have another very special guest. We have got Miss Janine Herskovitz, and she is with the Autism Blueprint. Thank you so much for taking time to be here today, Janine. It's my pleasure, Tasha. Thanks for having me. Well, I am very interested in getting all this valuable information that you have to offer to our listeners and to our parents and our families. And tell us a little bit about the Autism Blueprint. What is it and when did you start? Sure. So Autism Blueprint is my podcast, um, and I started it about three years ago um, with probably, um, I didn't really know what I was doing at the time, (laughs) kind of just put it out there, um, because I really wanted to help parents with autism in the home. So I'm an autism parent myself. I have a 22-year-old son um, on the spectrum, and he is I would say profoundly affected would be the best way to describe him. Um, He needs constant care and constant supervision. Um, So that's been a challenge throughout his life. Um, But as a um, licensed mental health counselor with a private practice that specializes in helping autism parents here in North Florida, um, I saw that parents needed something that, you know, for those that couldn't necessarily come to therapy or, afford coming to a weekly therapy session, I wanted to be able to offer them something, you know, giving them information and tools so that they could basically make their home a little bit more peaceful. That is awesome. And so they can find your podcast where? Um, You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, um, Google Play, Spotify, and then also at our website, autismblueprint.com. Okay. And you also have an amazing newsletter. I know because I get it. Um, (laughs) Autismblueprint.com, the newsletter. Where can they sign up for that at? Yeah. So um, we've got, if you go to autismblueprint.com, we've got some free giveaways and then um, one for um, parents and one for professionals. The parent giveaway is a self-care guide and the professional giveaway is um, best practices for professionals working with autism families. And so if you sign up for our newsletter there, you'll get the free guide. And then um, I send out information once in a while about different topics and then also about um, our upcoming um, uh, things that we're offering, whether it's webinars or um, we just start, we're starting um, a site called Autism Blueprint Classroom, which is um, a place where we're going to have online courses I'm working on one for newly diagnosed parents right now and another one on self-care. So those will hopefully be launching this year. 
Nice. Now talking about parental self-care, this is truly a topic that you are an expert on. <laughs> what, advice, an expert. <laughs> what advice would you give to parents on parental self-care? Well, you know, I often tell the parents that I work with that, and that the things, and anybody that follows me on social media usually knows the things that I post and the things that I write about and talk about are things that I need to hear myself. So, um, I, I don't know that I would consider myself an expert, but I feel like I, I have had to make self-care a priority in my life because I would say right after about a, a year or two into the diagnosis, my son was diagnosed back in 2001, um, I hit the ground running and I just said, you know, I think maybe I cried for a day. And then after that was like, okay, what do I need to do to make this kid better? And let's just do it. And I just, I went full speed ahead. Um, which in and of itself wasn't a bad thing, but the way I was going about it was unhealthy. So um, I share my story a lot. I share it on the podcast and, and uh, in my writing. I hit rock bottom with a horrific depression about two years into it. Um, panic attacks. I mean, a combination of depression, anxiety. I wasn't yet a therapist at that time. And I ended up having to go to therapy and deal with all of the stuff that I was experiencing. And um, I realized that I just didn't have any tools as far as dealing with high stress situations. Like, you know, the kind of stress that we didn't sign up for, which is what it feels like when you're an autism parent. Yes. So I had to learn those things. And then once I did learn those things, um, it made things a little bit easier. Um, it didn't make things go away, but it made me stronger. And it, and then I was able to um, just be a better mom. Well, definitely. I think that, you know, the high stress you just mentioned, that needs to be talked about more among parents and, you know, really beef up our support groups and our support systems with therapy. And, you know, there's a lot of different things that tools that, that you are trying to help other parents recognize. That, that, that need to be implemented. Um, what are some other tools that you would advise parents get into? Yeah, so when we think about self-care, we often think about it in terms of time away or time to ourselves, maybe manicures, pedicures, massages, things like that. That's nice, but that's not the kind of self-care that I'm talking about. So the type of self-care as an autism parent that we need to engage in is being aware of what we're thinking about, what we're putting in our bodies, both in, you know, physically putting in our bodies and also mentally putting in our bodies, um, establishing healthy boundaries in our life, being able to say yes when we mean yes and no when we mean no, um, and just really living our lives with intention. And by that, I mean being intentional about the way that we interact with our children, uh, interact with our spouses or significant others, and then also the decisions that we're making for our kids, you know, not to just be thrown around by whims or by what teachers tell us to do. Can't tell you how many parents come into my office and say, you know, my, my teacher or my son's teacher wants him on medication. Okay, well, first of all, she's not a doctor. Right. <laughs> Thanks for your opinion, teacher. But um, second of all, you're the mom and you get to make the decisions. And parents are, are sometimes hesitant because they're not the expert. Um, but what I try to encourage parents to do is to really 
get to know your child where they are and how they are so that you can be the expert in your child. And a lot of times parents really know more about their kids than they think they do. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think learning to trust their own intuition as parents too, you know, that's a big journey. That's so important. And it's so hard to get there when we're just too tired and we're not sleeping, right? So when I, the first thing people, parents will say to me is, I, I, I got to get some sleep. And my answer is, well, then that's where we start. That's mm -hmm. where your self-care is going to begin. How do we get sleep for you? Sometimes that means that your kid might need a supplement or a medication to sleep, right? Sometimes it might mean that we need to change, you know, whatever's going on in the household so that you can get more sleep. You might need more respite care or, you know, help um, outside of yourself. I think one of the biggest lessons I had to learn was that I wasn't going to be able to do it all myself. Yes. And I've learned how to ask for help, which was really, I don't know why that's so hard, <laughs> but it was a really hard lesson for me. It's really hard. I think across the board, that's one of the biggest things that we struggle with. I think too, in, in office for me, working with clients as well. Um, you know, just having the courage to ask. I think that's what it is too, is it's the courage because sometimes we think that needing help is weakness. And really, it takes a whole lot of strength to ask for help. And then to know who to ask for help. So I mean, that's kind of one of the other self-care pieces that I teach in my office is, you know, parents will say, well, you know, grandma or my sister or whoever it is who should be more of a support or should be more of a help is really not. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're either um, putting me down or they're telling me it's not it's not okay to take time for myself or, you know, you've got all kinds of family dynamics that sometimes I have to go, okay, maybe that's not the best person to ask for, for help. Right. <laughs> right. For safe people. Right. So if we can identify safe people in our life and by safe, I mean, people that are going to not make you feel guilty, not put things back on you or put things, shove things in your face when you make a mistake. Um, people that you can rely on to help you be your best you. Absolutely. Such good, good words of wisdom there. Absolutely. So there is another topic that we had mentioned um, prior to starting the podcast today, and that is confidence. Let's talk a little bit about that for just a moment oh, and how yeah. that's so important. Yeah, so presuming competence um, in our children is so important. When my son was little and first diagnosed, he was so much in his own head, um, as a lot of children with autism are, and it appears as if they don't care about what's going on around them. Um, they don't understand what's going on around them. And so we and again, through no fault of, of ours as parents and professionals, but we're going on what the child is giving us and what the child is showing us. And, um, and we really have to understand that with autism, autism, I always explain it as an issue of connection. Connection of neurons, connection of brain to body, connection between themselves and other people and relationships. So it, within autism, the issue becomes one of connectivity and connection, not being made the way they're supposed to be. 
it isn't necessarily an issue of intelligence or of competence. So I've met several people with autism, young adults and teenagers who their parents were told they were, you know, cognitively impaired and didn't understand what was going on. And then they've learned how to communicate through other ways, either typing or sign language, things like that. And they are not only in there, but extremely intelligent. Yes. And really resentful that everybody was talking about them throughout their lives as if they didn't get it. Um, and my son is, is one of those kids as well. He speaks, but he speaks in a lot of echolalia. And we've been trying to help him to learn how to type. He's been a bit resistant, I have to say. He is determined that he wants to speak, even though there have been times where he can type things more coherently than he can say them. But we tend to think of language as just this one area in the brain. And if the verbal language isn't working, we don't necessarily teach our kids other ways to communicate. And I know that when my son was little, I thought, well, I'm not going to teach him another way to communicate because I want him to speak and I didn't want to hinder the speaking. But it turns out, and we know this from research, that when we do teach our kids other ways of communication, it actually builds that language center in the brain. Absolutely. And with the pragmatics into, you know, processing speed, that's another big concern, the processing speed. So even though the connections are being made, it might not be presented um, in a timely way that we would view ideal communication between two humans. Exactly, exactly. And I think that that's where the presumption of competence comes in, like we were saying before, which basically just means treating your child as if they understand and as if they are the age that they are. And um, this took me a while to learn and I'm still learning it because really I would get more of a response out of my son when I spoke to him like he was four years old. Yes. <laughs> now 22 and sometimes I still find myself doing that um, but a lot of times he would really respond to kind of that baby talk type of, of language and um, and he has told me he doesn't really mind it but I noticed that when I explain something to him simply but at his age-appropriate level his behaviors and I say behaviors right those autistic behaviors yes they tend to either go away or get Subside. better. Yes. Yeah, because I just explained it to him just in a way that I'd explain it to anybody else, and he appreciates that. Mm -hmm. um, I've done that with the, you know, the whole quarantine stuff. I've, I've brought up a couple of YouTube videos and said, you know, let's watch some of these. I want to explain to you what's going on. And he chose the one that had the, you know, the doctor with the big, the scientist with the big whiteboard with all of this medical jargon. I mean, I think it was done by like a med student and I was bored after five minutes, but he mm -hmm. sat there and watched it for an hour. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess you like this. <laughs> I think too, you know, a lot of times when in talking to parents in session, you know, I'm like model the behavior you want to see from your children. Yes. young or adult model the behavior you want and something that I found very interesting reading an article just a little squirrel here but um when we're born when we're babies we have these things called mirror neurons that's what the article referred to them as I don't know what their actual scientific name is but when you smile at a baby 
that baby's going to smile back. Or when you walk down the street or in a grocery store, usually, you know, maybe not all the time, but usually you smile at a stranger, they're going to yeah. smile back. And I think that really kind of shows a lot of reciprocation between modeling the behavior and, and setting those expectations of what we want to see from them. Yeah, well, that's a great example with the mirror neurons, because I think that in autism, from what we know in the research, the mirror neurons are the things that aren't exactly working up to par. Mm -hmm. So there, you don't always get a smile back from a child with autism when you smile at them. And then we make assumptions about that. Right. We make assumptions that they don't want us around or that they didn't understand or they don't have feelings, right? They don't have empathy. Right. And, um, and it turns out they have a lot of empathy. Yes. They just don't always know how to express the express empathy. it is the expression. Absolutely. Yep. Was there anything else that you would like to touch on today with confidence or parental self care? I just want to encourage parents that, you know, even if um, you don't have the time and I know really none of us do um, have the time or the space or maybe even the resources or enough help to take time for yourself. It's, it's really more about, thinking to yourself, what do I need in this moment? And trying to give it to yourself in the best way you can. It may be five minutes with a cup of tea. It may be, you know, that, you know, maybe you do need to find a babysitter that can be there with your child. Um, you know, maybe even they're there with your child while you're in the house and it's just an extra pair of eyes. I know we do that a lot. Um, but try to think of your life, not in terms of all or nothing or black and white, but more of kind of that gray area. How can I get my needs met? Mm. And what are the things that I, that I really want for me? And it's okay to still want those things. Yes. Yes, it is. Well, once again, how can our listeners locate you online? Yeah, you can go to autismblueprint.com and that'll take you to my website of both my podcast and my private practice. Awesome. You guys check out autismblueprint.com as soon as you get a chance. Thank you so much, Janine, for being here today. Thanks, Tasha. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the Autism in Action podcast. For show notes, more information, and downloads, head on over to TashaRollins.com and join the Autism in Action Facebook group to stay connected. Please leave a review on iTunes and help spread awareness on social by sharing this episode.